0: Praise God. Let's just lift our hands and worship Jesus again right now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We've come here to love you. We've come to praise you and lift you up and give you glory. We praise you today because you are worthy, Jesus, and you alone are worthy. Lord, we want you to move like you want to move, and do exactly what you've come to do in this place today, and we'll give you the glory and the honor for it all. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's a privilege that sometimes we take for granted more than we realize we do. And I won't keep you standing, but you can be seated. But the reason I say that is 35 years ago when God opened the door for us to go to the country of Cameroon, I was not a preacher. I was a youth leader in the church in DeVille, Louisiana, and I was a mechanic working offshore in the Gulf of Mexico working for Shell Oil Company. I had never pastored a church. I'd never started a work. All I'd ever done was just help my local pastor. And so when God opened the door for us to go to the country of Cameroon, it was not as a preacher, but instead it was a transfer with my job with Shell Oil Company. I went there as a mechanic. And we went there believing that we were going to help a local Cameroonian church. We had contacted a missionary that was there, and he told us there was a, a work that we could do with a local church. And he was not in Cameroon. He was in Nigeria, but he was the superintendent of both countries. And so we were going there to help a local church. But by the time we arrived in the country of Cameroon, that church was closed down. The people had been arrested and been beaten just for doing what we're doing here today, just for worshiping God. So we found ourselves now 10,000 miles away from home without a church, without a pastor. Then we found out it was illegal to worship God without a registration from their government. And their government hadn't registered a church in more than 20 years. Then I realized what we were taking for granted here in America every time we come to church. Church, it's a privilege to worship God. It's a privilege to clap your hands. It's a privilege to cry out hallelujah and not have to worry about whether the police are going to catch you if they're standing outside waiting for you. For two and a half years we operated illegal. God began to open our eyes to what he could do in that country and Let us see the need of hungry hearts that had been crying out to him. And God allowed us to start churches in the country while I was still working for the oil company. For two and a half years, we slipped around having church. One time in one place, moving constantly so the police wouldn't catch us. But, you know, things happen when you're doing that. I'll never forget one Sunday morning, we finally found a little building we thought we were safe in. We looked out the window one day and they were out there clearing elephant grass. Now, if you don't know what elephant grass is, elephant grass grows about this tall. And so everything was hidden behind that elephant grass. And they were cutting grass, and I could our house was kind of up on a hill. And looking out our bedroom window and looking down, as they cleared that elephant grass, a building appeared out there, like a little Stable, looked like a little horse stable or something. And I saw that building. And God spoke to me. He said, that's for us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I got out, went to, the, went to that place to the where those people were clearing. I said, what are y'all going to do with that little building? They said, we're going to put it up for rent. And I asked them how much it was going to rent for, and I think it was like $20 a month. I said, I'll take it for a year right now. And it was there that we were the first church building that we had ever had. Well, oh, we painted it. We made it look good, but we left the grass out there where you couldn't see it from the road. People would come to church on Sunday morning. Pastor, they would come in our front gate, go out our back gate, and then go to church around there so the police wouldn't know where they were going. Never forget in that sur- in that place one morning I was preaching, and all of a sudden, I looked up and two policemen came in the back door and sat down on the back bench. I didn't know what to do; you know people say, I give my life for this; it's not as easy as you think. I didn't run there and say, here I am, arrest me. My knees began to shake. My voice began to quiver. But then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God come over me. And I thought, well, I may not ever get to preach in this place again, but I'm going to preach it one more time. And so I just began to preach with everything that I had that morning. The Spirit of God came down and moved in a mighty way, and people began to seek God. Sometime during that time of that service, I don't even know when, those two policemen got up and walked out. I don't know what they saw or what they didn't see, but I do know that God blinded their eyes and left us alone and did not touch us after that. God has been good to us, and he's blessed us so greatly. But today, God has opened doors for us. We're not fully legal. We do have papers that says we're partially legal. We're still not fully registered, but today in Cameroon, we've got more than 40 churches and preaching points. We've got more than 40 preachers working under us. We've got three Bible schools operating in a country where one time we could not even cry out hallelujah. That's the God we serve. That's the God that's in this place today. We've come here to worship him. We've come to lift him up. We've come to give him glory because he alone is worthy. God is great, and he is greatly to be praised. I want my wife to come. Share with us whatever she feels in the Holy Ghost this morning.
1: Praise the Lord, church. Don't we serve an awesome God? Aren't you glad you're in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today? Have you come with a need that only God can supply today? I'm telling you, you are in his presence. If you'll begin to worship and magnify his name and let him know that you're thankful for what he's already done and be thankful for the little things God is going to do whatever you need today. Let our faith begin to soar as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords visits with us today in a special way. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord today? What an awesome God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a privilege to see our elders still continue to do what they can do. Isn't that wonderful, church? Aren't you glad for the elders that'll pray when they may not be able to do other physical things, but knowing they can pray and they can still sing. And thank you, Brother Anderson, for being an example to me. Thank you. May God bless you. Hallelujah. Church, just clap your hands under the Lord today. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Praise God. I wasn't raised in this great truth, but I'm so thankful that God had a purpose and a a reason, a call in my life that maybe I didn't even know as a child, but I wasn't raised as a church goer. So when I met my husband, I didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus name. And I didn't know any of these things. And so as time went on and I did get the Holy Ghost two weeks before we were married. That was 45 years ago. And I'll never forget one day he came home and he said to me, he said, I feel a call to preach. And I looked at him not being a churchgoer, not really understanding what I had. I had an experience that nobody could talk me out of. But to say what and how this thing can really be, and I looked at him and said, I ain't going to be married to no preacher. And you know I don't I don't know what happened. I don't remember, but we didn't discuss it anymore. But then as time went on, God has a purpose. And God has a plan, and if you dodge the first one, he still has another plan and he can still work it around where his perfect will is accomplished. And so time went on and he called home from offshore one day and he said how would you like to go to africa i said africa sure why not everybody wants to go there (laughs) and you know we it was like a a running joke among us but god began to deal with us about the country of cameroon and seemed like everywhere we picked up a book the country was there and we would hear this and that and we couldn't get away from it and we began to realize that god was calling us to a place that maybe we would never even understand the calling or whatever. But So we began to prepare to go. And again, we were not in the ministry. We were the youth leaders of the church. But as far as a licensed preacher, he was not. And so we was just doing what we could do in the church. And when we got to Cameroon, we began to see people worshiping different gods. And you go and you see them worship farm gods and the mountain god. And when the mountain would erupt, they would sacrifice children. And you begin to see these things and you begin to think, God, I've caught what they're looking for. God, they're searching for you and they don't know which way to turn. And. I began to to look around and I began to feel differently. And I began to say, "God, there's something that we can do here and So when we began to work in the country and begin to see these things and our church began to grow, still we were not in the ministry just doing what we could and church began to grow and people would come in and they would say, and Sister Riddick, we need to have church every week because his job called for him to be gone every other week and our church began to grow and we need to have church every week. And I'm thinking, there's nothing we can do about that. He's got to work. And when, to my surprise, he turned around and he said, Well, I tell you what, if you'll let her, my wife will do it. How about fainting, Sister McCall, because I thought, Oh, nobody, not me. I wasn't raised in this and I don't even understand very much and I sure couldn't answer a Bible question because I didn't even go to church as a child and so I'm thinking oh no not me and I'll never forget as he left that next morning, I went to our room and I fell on my face and I began to pray. And I began to say, God, God, you know and I know that I can't do this. And God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to have to convince him. And you're going to have to tell him that I can't do this. And God, you're going to have to open another door. And I was giving God all of my reasons and all of my excuses. And then God gave me a vision. And in this vision, there was a small African child and he was far in the distance and he began to make his way toward me. And the closer he got, the more I could see the filth on his body and his hair was matted and he was just filthy. And when he got right up to me, he reached out to embrace me. And in this vision, I stepped back. And God said to me, where are you going? Were you not in this same condition? when you reached out for me but did I not embrace you with all of my truths brother McCall when God said that to me I began to repent and I began to weep as never before and I began to say God I'm not much I don't have an education, God. I don't even know much about the word. All I know is what I've experienced. And God, I'm not much. But if you can use me, I will try. And I'm so thankful today, church, that you don't have to have a a big education You don't have to have degrees and this and that and you don't have to have the perfect name and you don't have to have all the abilities and qualifications but all you gotta have is a heart that says God I desire to do something for you God my inabilities God you can take up and make a difference in those things and God begins to work and God begins to change and God begins to make a difference when we begin to give ourselves to him and stop giving our excuses and our reasons why we can't do a work for him and I'm so thankful today and then of course as time went on and we were I was trying to do my little best to follow up while he was gone and we were going to have our first ladies meeting and so we gathered in a little place and I had a speaker I don't know why I wasn't doing the speaking it was too long ago I don't even remember but I had a speaker that was supposed to come that day, and she didn't show up. And so I'm thinking we're singing, we're singing, we're singing. I think we sung the same chorus maybe 700 times, I don't know. But we sang and we sang, and she never came. And then I thought, okay, God, what are we going to do now? Because I didn't even prepare one thing. All I was prepared to do was pray if anybody needed the Holy Ghost. And so I said, okay, God, what do I do? She's not coming, and... I'm not prepared. The Lord said, open your mouth and I'll fill it. So I began to talk to the ladies about the Holy Ghost and began to teach them uh, what the Word said about salvation. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth, I said, you know what? God is going to fill everybody in the house with the Holy Ghost today. And then I thought, oh, my God, where did that come from? I'm looking at people just hold, crossing their arms and looking at me like, oh, yeah. And so I began to talk about the Holy Ghost, and then I I stopped, and I said, You know what? God's going to do it right now. And I said, If you want the Holy Ghost, just begin to come up here. And as we begin to pray, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And there were about three women that got up and came. The rest of them were just looking at me. And I thought, okay, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to follow what I feel. And so I began to pray with these three ladies that were here. And the first thing you know, the first one got the Holy Ghost. And as she began to speak in tongues, those that were still sitting there, and I turned around and looked at them and I said, if you don't have no faith, you just stay where you are. Because what God is doing, he's going to do it right here. And he wants to fill everybody. But if you have no faith, you stay right there. And the second one began to receive the Holy Ghost. And before the third one could receive the Holy Ghost, several ladies got up and ran to the front and they got in the line and they began to repent and they began to worship God and God began to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And before you knew it, every woman in that place that day was in a line and God filled every one of them with the Holy Ghost. Church, we need to realize that when God gets ready to move, if we will just move with his spirit, if we'll just do what we feel like we're supposed to do in the Holy Ghost and have faith in God and his work and realize that there's not one person in here that God does not want to save and that God does not want to use. He wants to use everybody. I don't care what kind of background you've come from i don't care how bad you've been god still wants to do something in your life through you and in you and do his work somewhere we're all a vessel of the king of kings and the lord of lords everybody's a vessel and i'm so thankful that god began to show me that i didn't have to have abilities all I had to have was a heart that would hear from God, and if I would walk upright before him and do his work, he would accomplish his perfect will and I'm so thankful, so thankful for that. Hallelujah, Jesus, thank you today, thank you today and then as as time went on, of course, we told you that we were illegal at that time and We would go down to where the one little church was that had been arrested, and the people had been beaten, and some put in prison, and we would go there, and we would just go and visit those people and encourage them to keep praying that God was going to open a door for us, and as we would go, and we would leave one home, we would notice that the people from the first home was following us, and we kept getting a bigger crowd and a bigger crowd. And finally one of the people said, Brother Riddick, we know that we can't have a service here, but can we gather somewhere and begin to just worship the Lord quietly together? And so we made a plan and we met uh, out somewhere and we gathered in this small room about half the size of this platform. And have you ever tried to worship the Lord quietly? Have you ever tried to just breathe his name? and not make any noise and have you ever been in the presence of god where you just wanted to shout hallelujah and you just wanted to let the lord know that you knew he was there and how wonderful the feeling was and we were in this room and we couldn't worship god with a loud voice but we could just breathe his name jesus and as we began to breathe the name of jesus this lady came and She began to tell us her story. She said, I went to the doctor today and the doctor told me that my child in my womb is dead. She said, I believe that I serve a God that can touch my body and touch my child. And we began to lay hands on her and just in a whisper, we began to pray, Jesus, Jesus. And the Spirit of God began to minister to her body and A week later, we went back to check on Sarah. And when we got to her house, she came out and she began to just dance all around. She said, my God has done the work. I feel my child moving again. Church, we serve an awesome God. What is it that he cannot do? What is it that we cannot believe him for today? Somehow we need to pray, God, help my unbelief because it is his will to do great things for us today so thankful for the god that we serve and one time we got caught up in a in a riot and we were trying to make our way home and we were about eight hours from home and as we began to leave the city the people began to gather in the roads and they began to hold hands and there were i don't know how many hundreds of people were there and They were shouting at us, saying, this is strike day, this is strike day. What are you doing out on our roads? You're not supposed to be on the roads. And they were beating our vehicle, and they were telling us that they were going to burn us. And, you know, when you begin to hear these things, and I can tell you, you just begin to fear, but you can't allow any fear to to be shown, but we had to begin to pray under our breath, God, lay me on somebody's heart, because we know that if somebody will pray somewhere, God will see us through this, and I don't know who God began to speak to, but somebody began to pray for us, because there was a man in a distance that began to shout, and when he began to shout, he said, stop. Don't touch this vehicle again. This is a man of God. And somehow the people just parted. And this man walked right up to our vehicle. And he put his head in the window. And he said, Pastor. God said to tell you that everything is gonna be all right, that you should not fear. And He said, You've got to go through two more hot spots to get home. But before you get home, he will have already prepared your way. And and just as this man said, when we began to go through these two other cities, there was nothing except you could see the damages that have been done, cars that have been burned, and buildings destroyed, but God took care of of us and you know when you begin to look around to say thank you to this man or whatever and you know your adrenaline's moving at that time and you just don't even realize what's going on but when you turn around to say thank you he's no longer there church God will dispatch angels when we work in his kingdom and do his work unconditionally He will dispatch even angels to take care of us. And I'm so thankful that that's the God I serve. I'm so thankful that that's the God I serve. Thank you today, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your tender mercies, God. Thank you, Lord, that we can depend upon you. And God, that your work, oh God, can be accomplished. Thank you today, Lord. One of our children of our church was hit by a car one day and the mother scooped him up and put him in a taxi and they went to the hospital and she sent her husband back to come and get Brother Riddick to pray and when Brother Riddick got to the hospital Isaac was unconscious and so he was in a ward where there are more than one bed and they began to pray for little Isaac and he noticed that There was a man that was watching intently in the bed beside him. And when Isaac sat up, he said to his mother, he said, I need a drink of water. And God had touched his body. And the next morning they were being discharged from the hospital. And Isaac was being discharged. And then the other man was also being discharged that was watching intently as Brother Riddick was praying. And this man, he told us, he said, When you prayed for the child... God not only healed that child, but he healed me too. Church, we don't realize the power that we have in the name of Jesus. We need to begin to stand up and do the things that we need to do and let God be glorified in all that we can say and do. Truly, there's a work that we can do, and I'm so thankful for that today. We had a young lady that came to Cameroon that was tremendous help to us and her name was Penny. Sister Penny got very very sick one day and to make a long story short by the time we got her to a hospital she was not able to breathe anymore and she had what they call cerebral malaria. Cerebral malaria cuts off the oxygen to the brain and you fight for breath and anyway the doctor was working with her doing everything he could and Finally, Sister Penny took her last breath, and the doctor looked at us, and he said, I'm sorry, but your friend is gone, and I can't begin to tell you what went through my mind and thinking about her mother and what would I even say to her mother and how would I call her and tell her that her child was dead and all of these things are bombarding my mind and finally I just fall across her dead body and I begin to say God I know you're able to raise her up but I don't know if it's your perfect will or not but God whether you raise her up or whether you leave her like this I'm going to worship you and I'm going to magnify you and I'm still going to declare that you're the God that heals and you're the God that raises The dead And I was worshiping the Lord with all I had. And as we began to worship the Lord, our children were there. My husband was there and the doctor was kind of standing in a corner watching. And all of a sudden he began to put his hands up and he too began to join in the worship. And in about 20 minutes time, God put life back into that body. Church, we serve a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all what we can ask or think. I'm so glad I know who he is today. I'm so glad for the opportunity to work in his kingdom, in his vineyard. So thankful today for all that he has done and will continue to do. Praise God. I want to share with you a language that we speak in Cameroon. It's, they have two official languages, which is French and English. But they have one unofficial language that's called pidgin. Pigeon English is a broken English, and when I begin again to think about my bringing up and how God prepares you from birth, and I was born and raised Cajun, and in our family, when we would go to visit my father, all of his people spoke broken English to us children because we couldn't speak French and they'd speak French to my father. And so as a child, you hear this broken English and, you know, you don't understand as children and you think, my goodness, what is it that these people not even go to school and why do they speak like that? But, you know, God has a purpose for everything you do. And so when I got into Cameroon, I began to think, I can understand these people. I know what they're saying, and I begin to thank God for my heritage that he had brought me up into this pigeon, or I should say broken English, Cajun family, so thankful, and I want to share the language with you today, and if you listen carefully, you will understand most of what I tell you, but the thing that I love about the language is they call Jesus Papa God. The reason they call him Papa God is because in their culture, Papa has the last say. It don't matter what's going on in life. If Papa says yes, it's yes. If he says no, it's no. You can dance, you can beg, you can plead, and it's not going to change his decision. And when they think about the power of Jesus Christ and the authority in his name to do anything, and it cannot be undone, and when they think about that, they call Jesus Papa God. So I want for a fast tank, Papa, because for truly bless we plenty, as we go for Cameroon, we know we be free for the worship, Papa. But as we begin for talk for we, we be telling, say, Papa, you be the God where you talk for we for come for this country. But Papa, as we be come for here, the police they de dey tell we say we no go worship you for the place. But Papa, I know say you get some plan, some program where we get for do, Papa. And you get for open the door for we and, you know, as we did, we're not supposed to make plenty noise as we did prayer. So as we did make that prayer, we did pray so free. We know they, know they talk with some baby voice and but you know, as the spirit for Papa begin for enter the place where you de make prayer, we be forget we no supposed to talk with some baby voice, and we start for cry, say Hallelujah, Hallelujah, thank you Papa. And as we begin for cry with some baby voice, people for outside they begin for hear we, and they begin for enter, and they begin for look we, and they begin for ask we say, Who be this your God? It be like, say, this your God, he gets some BB power where right for outside when you de call his name. All of our skin de shake. Which kind God you get them where de shake man their skin when you de call his name. We said, This our God, now name Jesus Christ. He be the Almighty Papa, where He come out for heaven. He come right down for this ground. He robe that His spirit with the flesh and He walk right inside our middle. And this very Papa, He want to come into right inside your skin. Now they start for confused. because I know if you just imagine how some big God, where when you de- call His name, He de- shake all man their skin. How this big God He go come manage into. Inside some manny skin. We be tell him, say, if you go look inside God's book for Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You go see how this thing can happen. We tell him, say, first thing you go do, you go talk for Papa. You go tell him, say, sorry, Papa. Sorry for all the bad, bad things what he do for this ground. And after you talk sorry for all your bad, we go carry you, go for water. We go put one and down for Jesus' name. When we put 20 down for Jesus, he named the blood for Jesus. Go cover all those bad, bad things where you did do them. So when you come off for that water, you're not going be the same kind of person. Hey, be, be before you enter inside the water. But when you come out, you go be some new, new person. But we tell them say when you come out you never finish all. Begin for put your hand for up. Begin for cry say hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Papa. And as you begin for cry, you begin for talk. All thing where you want talk for Papa. As you begin for make a my own spirit, he go come into right inside your skin. And when he enter inside your skin, you go talk some can kind of talk. How you know first talk before this can kind of talk? Your mommy no de teach you. Papa too you know no de kind one, the one to only come out from Papa yeah. and we say Papa thank you today thank you plenty for all the wonderful things where you done do for Cameroon and for all the wonderful things where you done do for your Papa Hallelujah Papa you be the great God will your name be above all name them Papa you to walk out for all side you to touch any man in need papa you to make sure say amen Mandy Sabi, who you be be thank you today papa thank you today may we just clap we hands for papa hallelujah. Thank you
0: hallelujah. hallelujah hallelujah what a mighty god we serve what a mighty god we serve a god that can do anything praise god In the last few months, actually it's been over almost two years now, the country of Cameroon has been in some turmoil. But it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And the last week, two weeks, it's really gotten bad. The English, Cameroon was two different countries. And there was an English colony and a French colony. And then in the 60s, they came together and merged together, and they they both gained their independence from the European countries, and they became one country. But they're still very, very, very bilingual, not only in language, but also in governing. The, they're totally different. The English has its own court system. French has its own court system. The English has its own educational system. The French has their own. And... The French has just begun to push more and more and more to do away with the English culture. And the English people have begun to fight back. And they're actually trying to secede from the country and go back to being two separate countries. And this thing has really gotten bad. It's gotten bloody. Mm. Uh, the government came in last week into a village and just burned the whole village including two people inside homes, two older people that were there. They've It's just been bad. Last, this past week we heard that the somebody, we don't know if it was Nigerians or Cameroonians, had come in from the Nigerian side and attacked the government, Cameroon government forces that was there. They had hand grenades, they had all kind of stuff, and they wound up fighting for about three and a half hours. <laughs> And it's just getting to the point that we can have not depend on being able to really operate like we have always. We've always been able to just go back and forth between the two sides without any problem. But it's getting to the point now that we're going to actually have to open. Our headquarters has been in the English side for 35 years. And we lived on the English side for 30 years, and we just moved on to the French side uh, about four years ago. And God's been blessing, and we started a church on that side. We sent people, but it didn't work. So we went, and now we've got six churches on the French side. And God is blessing it. We're get, having a revival, and it's growing. But we're going to have to put a office. I don't want to divide the two districts, but I want to be able to do business. You know, that's just part of of the work of God. You've got to be able to do business. And so we're going to have to put a office there in the capital city where we live. We hadn't planned on this. We had planned on keeping our district office in one place in the English side. But it's doesn't look like it's going to work. And so we're going to have to put this French office in. We've got a building in the French side in the capital city. We've got the money to put a second floor on. But we've got to do the office supplies themselves, the actual computers, printers, photocopiers, stuff like that. And this is a last minute thing, and we're in the last minutes of our deputation. We had, we're down to what? One more week in Arkansas, two weeks in Missouri, and we're heading back. So. We need to raise the money for those machines. I think we still like about $3,500. So if anybody today would want to do something for that when the pastor opens up the door for the offering, we need it desperately. When we go back, we need to open a second office. And I believe that God will help us, and it will help us to be able to communicate and work back and forth between the two sides. I don't know how much I will be able to travel I speak English, and that could cause me a big problem. And they know, you know, that I'm English-speaking. And so when you start traveling between the two sides, that's that strike that we got caught up in, they're having that strike right now every Monday. March the 1st, they announced last week that March the 1st is going to go to three days a week. Who knows what it's going to do? We don't know what days they're going to do it. We don't know if we'll be able to m- travel. We don't know what's going to happen. But we know we've got to get back. Yeah, That's our country. Yeah, yeah. That's our life that we've been all of uh, most of our life. Most of us turn 30 in Cameroon. We don't want to see it destroyed. Can you help us right now? Can you pray that God will bless There's only one way that Cameroon's going to have peace, and that's for the hand of God to come into that country and touch them. Lord, in the name of Jesus, speak peace into the country of Cameroon, Lord. You know the people are suffering, Lord. You know what's happening. You know what's going on. Lord, it's not your will that your people would perish. God, we ask you to touch and to move in that country. Speak to the sides and the leaders, oh God, that some way they would come to a peaceful agreement, Lord, and stop this. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, take control, Lord Jesus. Take control. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and worship God. I feel the presence of God in this place right now. Let's just let God have his way right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Move in our midst right now, Lord. Do exactly what you've come to do in this place. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of glory. You can do all things, Lord. You can do all things. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Pray for our son and his wife and his family. They have been missionaries with us in Cameroon for a number of years. But they have just, they are transferring this time their own deputation in Louisiana today, just like we are traveling around. But when they go back, they're going to go to Sierra Leone. And so they will be in a different West African country. But I believe it's the will of God, and I'm really believing that God's going to use them greatly. And just keep them in your prayers also. Praise God. I want to go to the Word of God for just a few minutes this morning. I probably won't preach. I just want to share a thought with you. Go to St. John chapter 11 and verse 35. You probably don't need to go to your Bibles because you all know the Scripture. This is the first scripture you probably ever learned to quote. Yeah. Yeah. Most every one of us. I can remember as the sister was reminiscing things that happened back when she was a child. I can remember when it came my turn in Sunday school to quote a scripture, the Sunday school teacher coming up beside me and just whispering, Jesus wept. And then I would stand up real proud and say it real loud, Jesus wept. But I wonder how much we really think about that scripture. Okay. It's so short. Yeah. And we, if we're not careful, it would become so insignificant to us. But how many of you believe that Jesus cried? Amen. I believe all of us do because it's the Word of God. Yeah. So the question is not was he crying? But the question is, why was he crying? What would cause the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of glory, the one that created all things, the one that controls all things, what would cause him to cry like an ordinary man? And I know the scriptures down below that says, oh, how he loved him. But I ask you a question. When you hear that a loved one has died, when do you begin to cry? Do you cry when you first hear about it? Or do you wait four days before you begin to cry? I believe when you first hear about it. Now, Jesus was with his disciples, and he told them, Lazarus sleepeth. And the disciples thought, well he's tired that's probably good he's just he's tired and then jesus said no lazarus is dead and then he traveled to bethany four days journey and when he got to bethany the first person he met was lazarus sister martha and martha said lord if you had been here my brother would not have died. Now, that's the spoken part of that statement. But I believe there's an unspoken part. Have you ever said something, and you've made a statement, but yet you it had more meaning than what you made? Amen. I believe that she said, Lord, if you had been here, but the unspoken part was, but, Lord, you weren't here. You're too late. And then the next person he met was Mary, the other sister. And Mary said exactly the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But again, I believe the unspoken part of it was, but Lord, you weren't here. You're too late. And Jesus said, Take me where you've laid him. And she said, Lord, he stinks. He's been dead four days. And then Jesus wept. And I believe Jesus wept because he came to do a miracle. And nobody thought he could do it. How many times have you been into the presence of the Lord? You know, we're Pentecostals. We know how to get the presence of the Lord into place. All we got to do is just start with our instruments and start singing because we know that he inhabits the praises of his people. So when we begin to praise him, we know he's going to get here. He's going to be here. But have you ever seen a dog chase a car? You ever wonder what he'd do with it if he caught it? But you know, sometimes I'm afraid that we as Pentecostals can be like that dog. We can do everything to get the presence of God in place. But do we really know what to do with it once we get it here? See, I believe that every time the presence of God comes into a place, he's come here to minister to us. He's come to touch our needs. He's come to heal our bodies. He's come to fill people with the Holy Ghost. But when he come into that place with the intent to do a miracle, The people did not believe that he could do it, and it caused him to stand on the side and weep. Yes, he continued on and done the miracle, but what would have happened if they would have just accepted that, hey, God, you're here now. You're in our presence, Lord. You say, "Let's. where did we lay him? Let's go there, Lord. It's not too late for you. It's never too late for you, Jesus. You can do it any time, any way that you want to do it. Somehow today, if we could just realize that we can get into the presence of the Lord, and it doesn't end there, that is where it begins. That is where we can begin to see what God really wants to do in this place. But we can't just stop when we get in his presence. We've got to push further. We've got to reach harder. We've got to take him to the places that we want him to do something. We've got to take him to the places in our hearts that we've got situations and we've got problems and we've got troubles. We've got to take him to where our disease is we got to take him to where our lost loved ones are. Or are we going to just leave him standing on the side somewhere weeping? You know what scares me? Have you ever heard the story of the little boy that cried wolf? You know, the little boy would go out and He'd start crying, wolf, 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 and all the people would come. And and he'd laugh and say, Oh, there's no wolf. And he'd done that many times. But then one day, he cried wolf because there was a wolf. And everybody said, Oh, that's just that little boy down there. And nobody came. Pastor, is it possible that we could get to praising God so much and bringing him in our presence and not allowing him to do what he came to do till one day it may get to the point that it's just like the little boy crying wolf (laughs) that he says, I'm not going to come into their presence because they're not going to let me do what I come to do? Why should I waste my time with him? Church, what I'm saying is let's don't ever become professional praisers. But let's become worshipers. Let's make it a point that every time we come into the house of God, that somehow I personally am going to touch God with my worship. Let's stand to our feet right now. Can we worship him? Can we get past that little praise? Can we get past our comfort mode and reach into a mode that says, God, I'm yours. I've come to worship you. I've come to see you move, Lord. I've come to see you do something wonderful. I've come to see you do a miracle. I've come to see you heal a body. I've come to see you fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. Let's worship him as your pastor comes.